Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. A lot to go over. We have a new lawsuit on the Biden border crisis, new documents on critical race theory, and I want to go over in detail with you some key documents we have about Dr. Anthony Fauci's uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology funding that Judicial Watch disclosed through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. But let's uh, first start with the Biden border crisis. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is down in El Paso uh, today after months of criticism for failing to uh, visit the border, despite being placed as head of the, essentially being uh, made border czar uh, by President Biden. Uh, in my, from my perspective, why would she uh, be in a rush to go down there? As far as I'm concerned, or they probably this is the, that's the scene of the crime. Why would the perps go down to where the border has been to a place where uh, the rule of law has been destroyed by specific actions by the president, presumably with the support of the vice president? Uh, there, the border security has been severely weakened. Uh, we are being uh, inundated on the border uh, with illegal activity, illegal human trafficking, controlled by the drug cartels. Uh, Joe Biden has changed a number of regulations and rules and enforcement measures. That had been placed there in terms of being there for a long time, in terms of longstanding rules, on top of the rules that President Trump had implemented to curtail the last uh, tsunami of uh, human smuggling operations that were inundating our border during his term. And so uh, Kamala Harris went down there, did her you know, photo ops, and that's what happens. You know, politicians go down and do the photo ops, both Republicans and Democrats at the border, for their own political purposes. So I understand that's going on. Uh, but this isn't just about a political fight and uh, you know, Republicans making fun of Kamala Harris and all that. The real question for us is, what's happening in terms of the border? Is the rule of law being enforced? Is our country uh, being harmed? Are citizens being harmed? Are illegal aliens being harmed? You know, those of us who want a secure border, those of us who want the laws enforced related to illegal immigration, we're on the side of those who are trafficked. Those who want lawlessness on the border, those who want open borders, those who refuse to enforce the laws against illegal immigration, namely uh, right now the Biden administration, uh, they place innocents in harmless way. Obviously, citizens of the United States who are victimized by the criminal activity and the lawlessness associated with the border, whose taxes are paid for, uh, used inappropriately to subsidize this illegal activity and further it. Uh, but as we talked about, the cartels run these operations and it's a dangerous game. It, it places lives at risk, specifically of those being trafficked. So children are being trafficked across one, two, three, four, five countries. 
and then sent who knows where once they're here in the United States by your government? We're on the side of those children, not the Biden gang who uh, operates as a partner, practically speaking, for the smuggling of those children across transnational lines. So we are on the side of light and good. We are on the moral side in terms of protecting the human rights of those being trafficked. The law protects them. And when there's lawlessness, they have no protection. I'm sure they want to be here, some of them, and parents uh, see opportunities to get their children here across the border or get, get their children here illegally. But we shouldn't have a system in place that encourages placing children at risk. It's what happens, what's going on. We have a new lawsuit uh, because all the rules go out the window. I mean, it's not just national security. It's not just crime, but it's also public health. Public health rules and the ability of the government to control threats to public health are significant when it comes to controlling and protecting the borders. And the Biden administration is thrown on out the window. Uh, in large measure, they've overturned policies by the Trump administration that allowed uh, uh, the use of federal law to turn back immediately border course crossers uh, because of COVID and other health emergency concerns at the time. Uh, and now we're being told by the Biden administration, COVID is a dramatic risk to the American people. Yet all the rules about, uh, and, and, and the testing isn't going on at the border. Uh, basically, if you can get across the border, you're free and clear. And the health rules about border crossing that might apply to you as a citizen would not apply to an illegal alien crossing the border or someone, quote, seeking asylum. Because if you're seeking asylum, I guess you're and you get across the border and the government lets you stay here waiting, I guess you're technically not illegally. You're not present illegally yet. But the point being, the COVID rules and restrictions have been thrown out the window for uh, people who go across the border. And Judicial Watch wants to know what's going on. We sued just recently the Health and Human Services Department for information on uh, their handling of COVID-19 and immigration. Uh, specifically, Dr. Rachel Walensky, who um, is the new head of the CDC under President Trump, uh, President Biden, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, testified recently in April that the CDC is providing technical assistance to the Office of Refugee Resettlement for the people who are leaving the DHS Department of Homeland Security and Customs and Border Protection. As I said, all these COVID rules have been thrown out the windows, thrown out the window if you're here, um, if you cross the border and are here illegally or, or a child or, or whoever is allowed to cross the border by Biden. Uh, we asked for all this technical guidance. We followed up. You know, we pay attention to what's going on and we ask follow-up questions. And so we followed up with this testimony our investigators did with a well-thought-out FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request. Now, those of you who don't know, the Freedom of Information Act is a federal law that provides access to government records. 
And if they don't give you those government records, the agencies don't, uh, you can go into federal court and sue for them. And the court, and then the government has to explain to the court when and if they're going to give us the documents. And if they're not going to give us the documents or portions thereof, why? So in many ways, suing is the only way to get answers. So we, we, we filed the request for all the technical guidance provided to the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Resettlement related to the transmission testing, mitigation, and or treatment of COVID-19 for undocumented immigrants who are in or released from Department of Homeland Security and or Customs Border Patrol custody. So what is CDC doing about COVID at the border? Is it all bets are off? Why are they hiding this basic information? We didn't ask for a lot of material here. This was in April we, fi we filed this request. This was in April we filed the request. Let me see when we, when we sued. Well, I can't open it. Well, we sued recently about it. The point being, it's now June, and we still don't have that, quote, technical assistance. So the lawlessness at the border has a myriad of impacts. Safety, uh, health, and national security. And we're investigating it all. We have a separate lawsuit for the uh, documents about the uh, handling of children by HHS and other agencies at the border. You've seen all the videos and the pictures of what went on in these facilities that were overwhelmed by um, by the crush of children crossing the border. And I say children, I use that term loosely because many of the children are actually adults posing as children. Of course, the government by administration doesn't care about that. They don't. They'd have controls in place if they cared about it. They wouldn't let people cross the border if they cared about it. They arrest those responsible for transferring the children and paying for their passage if they cared about children. They don't. It's this crazed revolutionary approach to border, to our borders. I mean, it's beyond open borders in the sense that. Uh, it's encouraging lawlessness that I think even the most, you know, crazed um, that even the most extreme libertarian would would uh, support in terms of border uh, and and the ability of people to go uh, across and through international boundaries. No other country in the world would allow their borders to be abused like ours is. I mean, the big the big fight is over asylum, the abuse of asylum, where people don't have jobs that are coming to the United States and manufacturing, it looks like oftentimes, asylum claims. I mean, what other country would allow you to transfer or go through two or three other countries before you ask for asylum? Why don't they ask asylum to, to the first place that is safe next door? Why don't they ask for asylum in Mexico? And President uh, Trump understood these asylum laws were not a suicide pact, and he required that people remain in Mexico if they're going to apply for asylum. Of course, Biden's undoing that. In fact, he's going to allow these people who um, 
law who've lost asylum cases to reapply. They can just show up at the border and reapply, even if they've been deported or been ordered deported. They get a do-over. I mean, in my view, we need to have the military securing the border. I said that during the Trump administration, and I'll say it during the Biden administration. You can see that uh, when a crisis situation, civilian control of the border don't work. I know I said it should say doesn't work, but I'm trying to be dramatic there. So, you know, we've been doing this work, exposing the truth about the border. We've been attacked by the media. We've been attacked by government agencies for telling the truth about the, the border. We're suing in court, sanctuary cities that provide aid and comfort in violation of the law to uh, um, aliens here uh, in violation of the law. You know, Republicans seem to have forgot about the border crisis. It hasn't abated at all. I mean, the problem the Biden people had was they, they were they had a PR problem in terms of people overwhelming their system. So what did they do? They just let the people go right through so they didn't have to corral them and get bad video and pictures of that activity. So now they're sending them on planes all over the country. So right now, it doesn't matter where you are. Every town is a border town. Because when you have 180,000 people a, a month, at least, and that's just the portion, getting apprehended at the border, I think that's the number, 880,000. And that's the portion of those who get through. Where do you think all those people go? You think they all stay in Texas? Of course not. I mean, it's so bad now. It's a free-for-all in that every country, if you're wherever you are in the world, all you have to do, I say all you have to do, I understand it still costs money to do so, is fly to Mexico City and get north and go north. So we're seeing increased numbers from countries other than Mexico and other than Central America coming up. All over the world. It's an open border. So Kamala Harris can go down to the border 55 times and, you know, let's not get distracted about making fun of the fact that she didn't go down to the border till just now. Politicians going back and forth to the border isn't going to solve the issue. I mean, every the Biden administration can move down to McAllen, Texas and have the White House down there. But if the policy doesn't change, the crisis will continue. And this is why um, I've suggested that the House, uh, anyone who's serious about this issue, talk about impeachment. The President of the United States has a positive constitutional obligation to enforce the rule of law and to preserve and protect our borders. And he isn't doing it. He's undermining the rule of law. He's refusing to enforce immigration law. He's virtually stopped all deportations. That's impeachable. His HHS secretary, Health and Human Services, excuse me, DHS secretary, 
Meyer Orgis, who helped further the Obama amnesty. He should be impeached too, or he should be on the list for impeachment. I see Congressman Bullard and some other members of Congress are seeking a censure resolution of Joe Biden over his refusal to enforce the law, his failure to do his job and uphold his oath. That's a good place to start. But isn't it interesting? The left wants to impeach Trump on fraudulent for fraudulent reasons, and yet you have Joe Biden act contrary to law and attack the law, specifically refuses to enforce our laws that protect our sovereignty and protect our public safety. People are getting killed because of this directly, not, not six, you know, six forward, five, you know, five or six steps down the line. There are people who are being released onto the streets who should be deported, but who are not. Criminals are, are now on the streets killing and, and otherwise harming people who would not have been able to do so, but for Biden's refusal to enforce the law. Is that impeachable? Dare I say we should have a debate about it. So forgive me for going on about it, but someone's got to talk about the crisis. Speaking of crises, we have this, this, this rising communism throughout the land in the form of critical race theory. Now, I know the left is trying to pretend that critical race theory isn't critical race theory. So I'm not going to I'm not going to engage in that debate. Judicial Watch has been investigating this issue, exposing it for years, as long as I can remember here at Judicial Watch. So you critical race theory, there were progenitors. I mean, many of you who are around, you remember the political the, the argument over political correctness. See, that was an echo of this back in the day. And now it's metastasized into full-blown left-wing racism that is designed to attack members of a specific race. You hear now the phrase white rage. It's crazy. Now, I say it's crazy, but for the left and the communist left, it's part of the plan to destroy America and engage in revolutionary activity. This is a revolutionary approach to schooling, to governance, and to our military. We had the general, the, I mean, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Millie, start defending, defending the critical race theory that he's imposing on his, the men and women who are willing to devote their lives, throw their lives in the line to protect our liberties. And when I think of the people who died in our in our military defending, who fought and died defending us against the communist menace in Vietnam and North Korea and elsewhere. And now, now they're being force-fed communist propaganda in the form of critical race theory that targets them based on race and their conservative political views, assuming that's they even have them. Being suggested they're racist if they support basic conservative causes and ideas. Yeah, it's a crisis. 
It's, it's just as, it's as sure as a crisis as anything you've seen. And as I said, Judicial Watch has been at the forefront of this for some time. As you know, we have this lawsuit on behalf of uh, Coach Flynn in Massachusetts, uh, who's Dedham High School's football coach, who was fired a few, uh, directly as a result of his complaining about critical race theory and Black Lives Matter propaganda being taught his daughter in seventh grade ancient history class. And he lost his football. He, you know, he was a well beloved football coach up there. Lost his job. We have a federal civil rights lawsuit over it. We exposed how in Montgomery County, you've seen that pyramid. Covert white supremacy is make America great again, celebrating Columbus Day. Saying you're not a racist is covert white supremacy. So what they're trying to say is essentially, if you're white, particularly you're male, if you're Republican, you're racist. You're extremist and potentially a terrorist. So they want to go to war against half the country. And of course, no totalitarian plan uh, is complete without abusing school children. So as I said, that, that pyramid was in a, in a class. Montgomery County, Maryland, locally here. You've seen the news about Loudoun County, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C., where the leftists in control of that school board have been pushing this race-based, uh, uh, this racist propaganda on their school children, and parents have been outraged. There was a big meeting about it the other day. Uh, they didn't like that people were vociferous at the meeting, so they shut the meeting down and told the police to arrest everyone there. Everyone who was everyone who didn't leave the room immediately. This is the totalitarian left in action, in my view. And we've just uncovered new documents out of Massachusetts. It's Wesley uh, Wellesley Public Schools up there in Massachusetts, which I guess has a reputation for being extreme in this area. And this is the headline. I never thought I'd write a headline like this before at Judicial Watch. Records show Massachusetts School District segregates, segregates student staff based on race in affinity spaces. We got about 100, 111 pages of documents under this local law, local Freedom of Information Act law in Massachusetts, which confirm the use of affinity face, spaces that divide students and staff based on race. as a priority and objective of the school district's diversity, equity, and inclusion plan. They admitted they had five of these programs going on just over the last year or so, between March, September 2020 and May of 2021. By the way, the left is now attacking parents who are following Judicial Watch's lead and using FOIA to explore the critical race and other radical curricula that are being imposed and pushed in their school districts and on their children. They don't want them to ask questions and use FOIA. I mean, this, that, that, I, I mean I'm outraged that they're attacking them from using FOIA, but it's, it's so wonderful to see that our work is, is having this benefit or being spread, that people see what Judicial Watch has done 
and said, why don't we ask for records under the Freedom of Information Act request, under the Freedom of Information Act or the local open records law? You know, four or five, six years ago, people would never have thought to do that. Most, most, most activists were afraid to use it, weren't comfortable using it. And Judicial Watch made transparency cool. And so the left is furious. They don't believe in anything. They Whenever they say they believe in a particular value that sounds nice, you can bet they believe the exact opposite. They don't believe in transparency. They don't believe in free speech. They don't oppose discrimination. They support discrimination. They support racism. They don't support any of the values that almost normal Americans, both you know, liberal and conservative, kind of generally support, which is freedom. Opposed tyranny. They don't they don't freedom is the their enemy. Tyranny is their goal and their means. So the records include a document detailing their equity strategic plan, equity strategic plan for 2020 to 2025, which includes a district equity by design plan with the stated goal of amplifying student voices by providing, quote, opportunities for affinity spaces for students with shared identities. So that's segregation. So you have a government enterprise, this public school system, setting up segregation based on race, shared affinity. It's not based on belief. It's not based on sort of, you know, ideas and debates and parties, you know, kind of interest, but based on the color of their skin. In fact, there's a section of the document called diversity staffing, which is racism. The stated goal is to provide resources for affinity spaces. So using tax dollars, and it's not just local tax dollars, the feds fund all of this, as you know, both directly and indirectly, to provide resources for affinity spaces for specialized populations within the wider faculty staff, i.e. A-L-A-N-A. I really don't know what that is. Um, I used to, I, I guess I should figure out what it is, but maybe you can, those of you who figured out what it is, write it in the, in the comment section. Admin leaders of color, LGBTQ+, white educators for anti-racism. It's segregation. The plan says we will practice risk-taking and challenge one another to continuously examine systems of privilege and bias and work collectively to disrupt and dismantle inequity in all its forms. That's revolution. That's, that's, that's a nice way of saying we are revolutionaries. And it's communism, it's Marxism, and it's racist. And the communists have decided, and the Marxist intellectuals decided that one, or, or have figured out, I shouldn't say decided, that race is a good way to uh, uh, justify their revolutionary agenda. 
and you're seeing it in the schools, this language is really quite explicit in that regard. Inequity, equity, it's Marxist. Equity is quite different than equality. Equality means equal opportunity. Everyone is treated equal under the law. Equity is people get what government says they get. And the government's in charge of making sure that no one gets more than the government thinks they should have, which is communism. And they don't, they don't see themselves. I, I understand they don't see themselves as communism, communists. Uh, and I'm not saying these, 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 well, maybe some of them are, but th this is, this is what it's about. And you see it throughout so much of what's going on. in our culture and politics today. Virtually everything the left does these days is guided by critical race theory. I mean, for instance, there's a lawsuit by the Justice Department, uh, the Biden Justice Department, it's not surprising, they're suing Georgia, um, alleging uh, that Georgia election integrity laws are in violation of the Constitution and target blacks. It's, it's, it's a smear job, it's hackery, it's political, it's everything, it's, it's terrible. But when you look at the lawsuit, you recognize, oh my gosh, this is all this is all critical race theory, their analysis. For instance, part of the lawsuit suggests that because the laws to secure elections were sponsored by white people, they're suspect. The color of their skin makes them guilty. That's that's the Biden Justice Department. Critical race theory permeates the challenge by the Justice Department just filed today against Georgia's voting security measures. And of course, it's not just students being targeted in these school districts, parents and teachers, and teachers specifically in the case of the documents we uncovered are being targeted. A health teacher writes, the high school fitness and health teacher writes, I wanted to check first, is it appropriate for me to go to this healing space? The, the teacher writes, the director of diversity, equity, and, and inclusion, Ms. Charmaine Curry. No, Charmaine Her Curry, so I'm not sure if it's a male or female. Curry responds, I wanted to check first, is it appropriate for, excuse me, Curry responds to that email. This time we want to hold the space for Asian and Asian students and faculty staff. I hope this makes sense. So this teacher says, I want to go to this affinity space and the head of diversity says, you're not allowed. We want to hold it specifically for people of a specific race. Now the Justice Department, if it were run by, I don't know, competent slash honest slash people who follow the law as opposed to try to want to remake and abuse the law, they would be looking at these documents and, and initiating a civil rights investigation against this racism. The segregation, we have segregation in Massachusetts under critical race theory. There's this course required called Equity Literacy, which I've kind of described about uh, why that's problematic. 
And this is how they describe it. These courses with a, have a keen focus on helping us to build, sharpen our structural ideological lenses and that they're essential to our ability to address inequities in our community. Of course, you know, they told us because we asked for them, did they analyze whether these programs are in compliance with law? And they said they didn't bother to analyze it. So they didn't even bother to check to see if this racism is legal. The segregation is legal. So the next time you hear a leftist defend or try to dis or or uh suggest that we don't understand what critical race theory is, or you know, try to come up with um uh distinctions between critical race theory and what these kids are being taught. Remember what I'm telling you here. And remember that they're being dishonest. It's not, it's, it, the nomenclature isn't necessarily important. What's important to understand is this is a revolutionary approach. They want to turn our kids into budding revolutionaries, communist revolutionaries, and they want to overthrow our system. Their approach is everything in America is racist and should be overturned and destroyed. That's the thinking. And it's being promoted in our military, in our corporate boardrooms, in our government, and among our school children. And as I said before, this is the most significant, and the public reaction to this has been fierce. So the left is very nervous. They're now trying to, as I said, separate critical race, you know, pretend that we, we don't know what we're talking about. I mean, this is why they hate FOIA, because we're exposing what we're talking, what, what's going on. People can judge for themselves. And they're going to, I guarantee you, they're going to start censoring, uh, big, big tech will start censoring speech about uh, crit critical of critical race theory, critical of these programs. And this is the most significant movement in terms of grassroots activism that I've seen, at least since the Tea Party. Now, I know we should be excited about that, but let's remember what happens to the Tea Party. It was destroyed by the Obama IRS and the FBI and all the agencies of, of the Obama gang. So we may be all excited to see all this activism by parents, but be warned, they will come after them, as we saw in Loudoun County. So we have more documents. Uh, um, we've got more coming. So this is just the beginning. As I said, we've been doing this for years uh, and exposing it separate, you know, in the military and in the Department of Agriculture, everywhere. And we had a video several years back. They hired some contractor to come in and they tell these government officials that the founding fathers, some people consider the founding fathers to be terrorists, trying to defend the modern day terrorists, it looked like to me. So this craziness has been around for a while, but it's metastasized in recent years. They saw opportunities, the radical left did, uh, with the George Floyd killing to try to jump in and uh, use the most extreme versions of these theories in our schools and elsewhere. And we have to fight it. We have to defend the Republic. So the other thing that we've been working on, which has had already tremendous results and we've changed, uh, it's had worldwide attention, is our investigation that we initiated back in March of last year into the Wuhan Institute. And I realized, I took a break last week, I was a little bit under the weather, I'm mostly recovered, so don't worry about me. 
But it occurred to me that I, I, I kind of kind of referenced what we found, but I didn't go over and, and explain what we found in terms of exposing more of the truth about uh, Fauci's dissembling in the funding of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, as you know, we're all of a sudden allowed to ask questions about whether uh, COVID came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, whether uh, uh, it was a... Uh, we were told previous to this that we were not allowed to think that, that if you raise questions about this, you would be censored on social media. If you said that maybe it wasn't a naturally occurring disease, you were censored. And you were censored in part thanks to people who were funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We saw something was up in March of last year. And um, for just asking questions that I talked about before, we were criticized. You had stories in the Washington Post, the Guardian, USA Today, the New York Times criticizing me, criticizing Judicial Watch, suggesting we were we were ex- ex- conspiracy theorists, but just raising questions about a public official and what government money was go- going to fund in communist China. So this lawsuit resulted in that we filed resulted in documents coming out that showed that we were giving more money to Wuhan Institute of Virology than Fauci had admitted to, specifically $826,000 for, quote, bat corona research. He had said it was about $600,000 or so that they were giving. It was at least eight twenty-six, And on top of that, there was money separately from a USAID, which is a, another agency, in my view, that should be completely shut down. Millions. I'm going to go, I'm going to show you the list. because And it shows that they knew early on, because these documents are dated, includes a chart of National Institutes of Allergic and Infectious Diseases Funding, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology sent on April 21st, 2020 to the deputy director who's directly under Fauci. The agency funds directed to the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, are listed on the chart as titled Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence. So does that sound like something that would be maybe a connection to COVID? Maybe? We didn't hear about that publicly, though, did we? All the nervousness behind the scenes. Because what they were saying publicly was it was almost certainly a naturally occurring virus. But behind the scenes, the emails and documents we had showed that they were very nervous about the money, where it was going. And in fact, they were open to it actually having been a virus, a a man-made virus, more or less. Gain of function research and all of that. Let me share the document with you. Hold on one second. So this is the chart we uncovered. Look at this. NID sub awards to Wuhan Institute of Virology. And it was given through an organization called the Eco Health Alliance. Which is run by Peter Dasik, D-A-S-C-A-K, who's the president. 
And of course, you know, he had gotten three and a half million dollars, three point seven million dollars over six years to all sites, which include and it wasn't just China. It was Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Myanmar. I don't know about you, but I don't think that we should be funding any of bio, any biological research in those countries. I mean, it sounds dangerous to me. Does it sound dangerous to you? But look at this document again. Do you think that the debate about this would have been a little bit different if we had known about this as opposed to having it been hidden by Fauci's agency? You know, and one of the reasons it's taken so long for us to get documents about what was going on behind the scenes is because the government told us this. Because Fauci and his top team had to review all the documents before they were released. Very unusual. So Fauci is directly responsible, at least according to the document, for the slow release of these records, at least according to the government. $826,000. And the media picked up on this. It was um, talked about all over the world. And the only reason it was shut down is because, you know, President Trump being type of president he was, he found out it was going on. He said, shut it down. So this is what Judicial Watch uncovered. And then as a result, there was increased uh, scrutiny of what Fauci was doing. Uh, Fauci was put back on his heels. He's now suggested it's a conspiracy theory that those of us who are criticizing him were all doing it as part of an orchestrated effort. So he's actually gotten a little bit crazier in this area as opposed to sensible. But Dasik has now been kicked out of where he said to recuse himself out of this. Uh, Lancet is a major medical institution publication, kind of like, you know, I can compare it to the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, that type of publication in the UK. And there's this commission that is supported of the UN that's supposed to look now into the origin. Now, Dasik's on the commission, but now he's recused because of the disclosures in part produced by judicial law. So this basic piece of information changes the course of worldwide discussion on Wuhan. It shows you the importance of Judicial Watch's litigation and efforts to uncover the truth about what the government's up to. And what I loved about some of these documents is that you know, Fauci pretends or says that he knows everything. I mean, he, he comes across as if he knows everything about everything. Well, one of his top officials in talking about funding and what these projects were doing said this about Dr. Fauci. Great info, thanks. Tony doesn't maintain awareness of these things and doesn't know unless program officers tell him, which they rarely do. Since they are across town, I may not see him more than once a year or less. And what is this issue? Understanding the risk of that coronavirus emergence. So he pretends that he knows everything that's going on when in fact his own people say he doesn't really track it. Which is it? Is he on top of it or not? And if he isn't, why is he coming out and saying with such certainty no money was went to gain-of-function research that, as we all know, is so dangerous? Why is it dangerous? Because it takes viruses that otherwise would not be infectious 
and makes them infectious and potentially dangerous to humanity. And if the goal allegedly is to uh, prepare ourselves that these viruses, if they were to make the likely jump, we would have vaccines and other walls in place to protect us. Of course, the danger is that we won't have vaccines in place if they're released prematurely or get out of the lab accidentally. Or because it's the Chinese and they're communists, they're weaponized. So these documents are worth reviewing. I encourage you to read them in complete, completely. But I wanted you to highlight that this is, this is the sort of work that is so important. We've been pressing the government for answers. You know, and, and again, uh, and I blame some of the appointees of the Trump administration because they know these documents exist. And they had zero interest in getting them out. They knew what was going on behind the scenes. And none of them was, were seemingly bright enough to figure out, well, maybe the public needs to know what's happening here. I mean, this stuff is just amazing. I could go on and on reading it. But I encourage you to go to our website. We'll, we'll post the link to the documents again and get the word out. The reason why we're now able to write about and talk that you're able to talk about the Wuhan Institute and its potential links to coronavirus. And I'm not saying that the, it's certain that the virus leaked from Wuhan. That's not I don't know if that's the case or not. I suspect it's the case because of, uh, because of the science, as explained by people who know science. <laughs> but I also look at why the, the Chinese cover up the cover up is evidence that something bad went on. And of course, the left says, well, the Chinese cover up everything. Well, I mean, so if that's the case, why were we giving them any money at all? I suspect I won't be invited to investigate how the Wuhan Institute, how the COVID virus emerged. See, these are the sorts of people that need to be on commissions like this. And so whenever you hear there's a commission investigating something, they never have people like me on or hard chargers that you know in Congress or elsewhere. They just keep people, they're designed to keep people like us out. I want you to go and look at the Landsat Commission and see if you're confident that those people are somewhere, are people you can trust. I looked at it briefly, it looked like they were a bunch of leftists. So that's my way of saying, we're probably never gonna find out. I mean, we can presume, but we can never find out for sure where uh, this virus emerged because there are people with a, a financial and political interest in covering it up. And secondly, uh, the Chinese have had now more than a year to clean things up and as if they were ever going to cooperate to begin with. I mean, how naive. So the real outrage is the suppression of questions about this by people who knew the questions were well founded. So that's my weekly update. A lot going on, a lot more happening. We are in the thick of it, and we encourage you to support our work. These successes are impossible without your support. They're only because of your support. We don't get government funding. Fauci doesn't fund us. We don't get money from the Chinese communists. We're not getting any COVID 
emergency uh, <laughs> recovery act money from the Biden administration. We rely on the support of people like you. So I encourage you to support our work if you like if you hear, if you like what you hear, you want more of it. Uh, but even if you're not supporting our work, one thing you can do, and I know everyone can't support our work, is is get the word out. Like this video, for instance, mentions COVID. As a result, it will be suppressed. Facebook makes it harder to share information related to COVID, even if it's accurate. So the one thing I'm asking each and every one of you to do is to, if wherever you're watching this video, is to like it or say, you you know, whatever it is you need to click to show satisfaction and approval, comment and share it. And specifically on Facebook, they'll place hurdles to you to share because they'll, they'll put a warning message up there saying this talks about COVID. You sure you want to share it? I forget what the language is. Same on Instagram. I don't know if it's the same on YouTube. And just the, even the mere label suppresses people's interest because it makes people nervous that there's something bad that's being said here. I'm talking about government documents and Facebook will suppress it. And, other, and, and every, every major platform will. And we're not leaving the platforms, but the point being, it means you have to do extra work to get the word out. So support our work and share our work. So that's your task. And I hope you follow through. I'll see you here next week on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.